Welcome to Shas Illuminated. Please enjoy the following shear. I wanna, I wanna first of all, I wanna thank the Chevra. Today's a hectic day that there's a lot going on. I thank the guys for being here. I wanna welcome Rabbi Shevkin here and tell you a little bit about our own family history for a couple of minutes, briefly, and then and then talk why it's personally a very exciting day that Rabbi Shevkin is here. Our family history is our fathers learned together for many, many years. I believe, I don't, it's not, I don't want to exaggerate anything. I believe Shas four times, five times together would be a fair 30 years in the daf. Together is a very generous word. <laughs> Extraordinarily generous of you. But yes, they, 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 three cycles. Three cycles. Three. So three cycles. So that's, that's. That's obviously many, many years learning together. So first of all, that's already that our fathers learned together. Dr. Bashevkin, right? Bashevkin's father. I did not remember this. Our fathers learning together. This was something in my life. My father is a tremendous admiration. He was able to learn together with a group of people many times. Shas. He always had like a tremendous admiration for this group of tremendous, intelligent, growing, special people. They had a tremendous friendship, this whole group. And, and as well, Dr. Bashan, I had an aunt that was very, very important in my life. When I was dating the one I spoke to about my Shaduchim, I ran to my aunt to speak to my aunt. Tante Gigi is what I called her. She was an incredible human being who in people in the five towns, people who grew up in the five towns know her. There have been plenty of families who named their kids. She was Nefteris at the age of 48. She was a kind, generous, she was a teacher in TAG, in the local girls' school, and a very good teacher and a warm person. And many people opened up to her and spoke to her. Very, very special person. And when she was sick, Dr. Bashevkin, right, Bashevkin's father was her doctor, so that was also just another link in our family's connection. What's happened more recently, guys know Yehuda Zelman in Yeshiva, and many other guys introduced me. I'm not the most proficient in the world of podcasts, but Yehuda Zelman and other friends, Akiva Fry and other guys in the Yeshiva introduced me. The guys, we do these crazy, yesterday I drove for about 14 hours yesterday. We had two Waterbury weddings. I was in the car for the better part of 14 hours with the group. And so we do these magical trips. And I like, the traveling's very, very important to me. It's not about just where you are. The journey itself matters to me. These trips, we remember fondly. They're guys, Menachem Wiener and I have driven... A lot of hours together. A lot of things go down on these trips. Journeys are important to me. It says that Sari Menu was not mispaza. She wasn't diminished in any way from the Torah because the trip itself, the journey itself mattered. And the trips matter a lot. And on these trips, one of the things that's happened the last couple of years is I've heard many episodes of 1840 of this specific podcast. And I appreciate there's an honest bikush, there's an honest, a real bikush for the human condition to understand better, to connect more. I feel that it talks to a lot of matters that are very relevant to people of today, the emotions, different aspects of ourselves to analyze, to figure out, to wonder. So there, there's a lot there, and there's a reason a lot of guys here in the yeshiva, there, there have been many bachram, 
who like this podcast, and they, they've played it for me, and I've been very interested and, in, and, and uplifted and intrigued by this Bikush. The, the schos today that Rabbi Shevkin's here, and I want him to speak to, the, to, speak to address the Chevra. I do want to share some music. That's how a funny way we greet people in yeshiva. But before we share music, I want to share Dvar Torah with the Chevra. In a lot of ways, Rabbi Shevkin's just here. I wish I didn't have time to show him around our campus. The yeshiva is not the campus. The campus is cute, is the backdrop. The people, you're the yeshiva. I mean, when I say to show him around the yeshiva, I want him to meet, I want him to sit with Yair Kohn for a few hours. I want B'Tzalel to share with Rabbi Shevkin. That's what I want. I want to talk about, to introduce what is this place Rabbi Shevkin has come to. I want to learn a Gemara with the guys that I think is a remarkable. I want to welcome Akiva as well. Akiva is an old friend of mine, is somebody who is an idealist, who sets up much tire for many, many people. So I want to welcome Akiva as well. I want to say, yeah. I want to say that Rabbi Shevkin, besides the podcast, he's a rav. It wouldn't be a, he's a rav, an author, and somebody who's inspired as a teacher. He teaches in YU, he's a rav, an author, a teacher, a rebbe. So he's somebody who has, in many forms, has impacted people. I want to share Gemara insight to really to to share what the yeshiva is, what our revolution is, and what I feel is very in sync with the podcast. I, I don't have the right to describe. I could just describe what I experienced in hearing what was going on in that podcast, the ones I've heard. I wouldn't be the biggest expert, but I've heard many hours, including an hour and a half yesterday. So I want to share my impression. The Gemara site is a Gemara I want everybody here. Now we're going to hear Bensi. This will be an introduction to the music, and then to, we'll hear Benny Stein, we'll hear some music, and then we'll, and then we'll hear from Rabbi Shevkin. The Gemara Saita says as follows. The Gemara says, it's a Gemara on Tess Samad Aleph, and it says, Tan Rabbana, now as follows. The Saita is a lady who did a horrific sin. She was disloyal to her husband. At the tendency when we hear somebody fall really far, is to be, ugh. There's a lady who really is in a bad place, and she's done like, there's like the cardinal, one of the three greatest sins probably known to us. She was disloyal to her husband. And the natural, and I, I'm not saying that the natural reaction by us all when we hear something, if somebody would tell us a story of a saita, the natural reaction would be to cringe. It would just, ooh, get me out of here. And we'd almost sense, like, like that's cr- who can relate to this? That's, that's the, a certain part of us may feel, who can relate to this? Whoa, this is, and we may even say, well, so, you know, maybe a lesser person could relate to this. But I, I think many people would say, would look at something with a certain disdain and disgust, and maybe even rightfully, and there'd be a sense of disdain. I think there's a whole other reaction that's in bounds and true and much more in sync with what Chazal tell us is that when a human being errs, when a human being makes a mistake, we're all very human. And something about this person's journey, they're a human like you and I, we're all human beings, and they have a lot that we do relate to and a lot that's relevant to us. 
and a lot for us to study and work on as this person who's human like you and I can work on. The Lubavitcher Rebbe was known as the Mitla Rebbe, was famous that when people came to him, he found in his own life anything that anybody ever told him. The craziest challenges, you had this holy Rebbe who grew up the son of a Rebbe, so he certainly was, came from like a palace of holiness. You'd expect when people describe challenges, they'd be like, whoa, I don't relate to that. He specifically was known, there was nothing he ever heard that he didn't deeply relate to in his own, in his own life. We're all fellow humans, and we relate and connect. And instead of having an attitude, the Saita did something wrong, and certainly what she did we don't stand for, but we actually do understand, and we actually find in our lives areas that we actually could relate, and we want to work on our own, much like she has to, we have to work on our own improvement. What's the source of her sin? She was disloyal to her husband. She's not in a great place. Says the Gemara Saita, listen to this Gemara. Tan Rabbanan. Saita nasne neha b'misha'ena royala. She looked at that which was not fit for her. What she wants, she doesn't get. She was busy in a world that wasn't hers. So she doesn't get it. She's asr libayal. She becomes asr to the one she was inappropriate with. And she loses her husband. When you live out of your world, when you're busy in a world that's not yours, you don't get that world and you lose your world. I hardly even think it's a punishment as much as you, you, you neglected your own world. She, says the Gemara, general rule. If you look at what's not yours, if you're busy with another's world, you don't get what you're seeking. And then you lose what's yours, Elio. If a person's busy out of their world, this person's wife, car, whatever it might be, you don't get that and you lose your beautiful world. Says the Gemara that Nachash HaKadmaini, the original snake, who looked at what was not worthy, he wanted to marry Chava, the original snake stood on two feet. Alpi Kabbalah was supposed to be the servant of man. Every man was supposed to have a snake that was going to serve him and be an Eved for the human being. And he wanted Chava. Not only didn't he get Chava, but even what was rightfully his, he lost. Amra Kaddish Baruch Hu. Ani Amarti, I said about the snake, Ye Melech al Kol Interesting, before the lion got his shtela, the snake was supposed to have it. He was supposed to be the Melech on every Behemah Vechaya. But Achshav Arahumi Kol Asad, and now he's cursed. He's no longer the king of the animal kingdom. Ani Amarti, I said about the snake, Yahalach Bikaimiz Kufi, be one of the rare animals who would walk standing upright. Achshav, but he looked at what wasn't his, he wanted Chava. Al Gechayna Yelech, he crawls on his belly. Ani Amarti, Macholim Machladam, he should have the refinement that he would eat human being food. Achshav Achayayfel, he eats animal, he eats the dirt. Who Aimer, he said, I'll kill Adam and I'll marry Chava. Achshav Eva Ashes Ben Chavin Isha. Ladies are frightened and hate snakes. The Chain Matsinu says the Gemara, listen to this list. 
This is the story of history. Kayan, Kairach, Bilam, Doyeg, Achitoifel, Gechazi, Avshalom, Aydoniyo, Uziyo. And some had the gear Saham on the 10th. Rashi seems not to be gorgeous that. Shenosnuwe Neyem, Bimashe'ena Roilem. They were busy out of their world. They don't get what they wanted. And that which is theirs, they lose. I worry, I think the secular school system, by accident, not on purpose, the danger of the secular school system, of everybody fitting in and not presenting, is you, people try to be what's not them. You compete to be a certain thing because that's what's valued. Who you are is lost, so you're mivakesh mashe'ena roilahem. People try to be who you're not. Not only don't you get who you're not, what you do have, you lose. And the essence of a yeshiva, the essence of this yeshiva, is a yeshiva that we're striving, who am I? Looking in my world, my journey, my journey, my journey, not copying, not imitating, not competing, my journey, my world, my fire. The danger of even a Rebbe trying to make something is putting on a world only we know our own world. And the sight of the story of a sight is somebody was busy out of her world. She was looking at a different place, not her world. I'm Zaycha to live on a mountain. Yitz Rabinowitz was, we learned together for three years, and we always joke that we want to make, be careful what you joke with your friends. We joke that we want to make an all from community. We spoke about it a lot. Then one day we did it. He took a mountain, blew off the top, and we have a community of 50 families. The first meeting I ever had with the families, it's a dream and it's beautiful. It's a magical, some of the guys were there, the Shabbos. Beautiful city. We have a beautiful existence on a mountain. But I see from families, my worry when I visualized it, is everybody living in close proximity. You see his car, his house, his children. And the danger, my car, my house, and most importantly, I don't want to be B'nai God Meruvin, them call my children, my world, my world, the embracing of my, the first thing we spoke about, Sameach B'chelkai, celebrating your world, our world, all of us have our own worlds. This is the story of a site that somebody went off and all of us can relate to looking at somebody else's world. A lot of what's out there, a lot of TikTok, a lot of the dangers are roots of looking at a world that's not mine. And we have such a beautiful, and it's a historic sin, well before TikTok ever came into being. That's a crazy list. That's an infamous list. It's a question if Haman crawls into that list. But that's a, that's a crazy list of people, of powerful people, sons of kings, who were destined and had a lot of greatness that should have been theirs. Haman's the second to the king that matters that he's something powerful. Because he had something great. But instead of embracing what he had that eventually transferred over to Klal Yisrael, there was something great in him, but he was busy with what he didn't have. Greatness, 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 greatness. Be busy with your greatness. 
a yeshiva, a positive place, has to be busy with your greatness. A lot of the music of the yeshiva, and what I only consider Jewish music, I don't consider because you sing a pasuk that it's Jewish music. I don't, I don't think that I, you took a pasuk and put Gaish music in a pasuk. Jewish music is your expression, what you want to say. You can use psukim, that's a shayla, lalacha, fine. What I consider authentic music is an authentic expression of self. A man called me up, I'm going to be honest, a man called me up because that's the way we do things honestly. man said, you should hear the junk my son is listening to. Oh, rap junk. I'm not here to promote NF, we're not promoting, I don't want to publicly say how much I listen to NF, I'm not going to do such crazy things. But I think you're crazy if you don't listen back to back, the two songs. But don't listen to Mama till you heard the friend. Okay, it's fine, it's on the tape, it's out there. But um, <laughs> had you leave and Mama back to back, Kevra. Back to back. Only you didn't come to you didn't hear back to back, you're making a mistake. But okay. The bottom line is he's telling me junk they're listening. And certainly there's a lot of vulgarity that I'm not promoting at all. But expression, I told this man, do you know your son who wants to just feel is looking for music of expression? It might be angry expressions because that's what he's feeling, but he's looking for music that says something, that's talking, that's from a very deep place inside. He doesn't want to hear math. We're not so into math. Uh, you can, there's a guy who lived by me who made a lot of real music, but he's a mathematical genius. He lived in my house for a year and a half. He figured out a song a lot of Klal Yisrael sings. The song gets me a little nauseous. The guy could listen to this sheer. I love him. He knows the song, I cringe. He figured out a popular song mathematically. People sing it at Kumsas. You will never hear it in this yeshiva, that song. It was composed in Waterbury. He was, he was fooling the world. People play the song. It's, it's, it, that's not an expression. He had nothing. He wasn't feeling anything. He just took populist notes and made a song. Compose music that you feel, that you're in touch with, that connects to you. So I want to ask, Bensi, I, I don't, before Bensi sings, I don't tell Bensi, like, okay, bring it, mean it. His song just, you come, it's always, what's Bensi? If you want to check in with Bensi, what he's feeling that day, just ask him for his latest composition. So I'm going to ask Bensi, he's not singing for us, I'm going to ask him to talk to us. He sounds in a very cheerful place today. I was like to hear this song today. I'm going to ask Bensi to talk to the Chevra. Then I'm going to ask Vinny Stein to talk to us for a few minutes. And then maybe one or two others. And then finally, we'll be like to hear from Rabbi Shevkin, Bensi. <coughs> Sky. Ooh, I 
That was awesome. Oh, shadows chasing after me. And some proud of who I came to be. But all these expectations that are on my mind So I really know who I am And all these assumptions who I'm meant to be Is it hard to understand? I wanna be like Peter Pan in a shadow It's not a reflection of who he is And I'm stuck in this dark Living a life I can never live So get away Shadow get away from me So get away Shadow get away from me So get away Shadow get away from me, so get away Shadow get away from me, so your darkness is where I'd like to hide Cause my shadows can't follow me inside I remember what they said about me, and I knew they we did wrong Oh, it's time for me to light up my soul and get out of this dark I wanna be like Peter Pan, no shadow, it's not a reflection of who he is Stuck in this dark Living a life I can never live So get away Shadow get away from me 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 So I don't want me to be part of your life I don't want you to be part of mine I'm just trying to sit there and live free Is that too much to ask? I'm just asking please Shadows Shadows Shadows
project. Maybe you'll do David Amela's song. Come, Shlaima. The guy who wrote Hatiba Hing is actually here. I know you like it. So let David come to Taiwan here, Hatiba King. Come to your family. Your son of Hatiba King, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Get the cameras, people. I was just saying, just like, but it's a real show. You don't want the guy who's fish cause. I don't play for him. I don't want to be that guy. I don't like requested or I like it. Play the deep cut. Play the deep cut. Play the deep cut. You don't want to fish on request for him. I'm sitting on the side. I'm sitting on the side. I'm sitting on the side.
and then we'll hear from my Bashev. Thank you, God. Thank you. Friends, it's a uh, 
It's a huge privilege to come to speak, to be invited to speak uh, by Rav Kalish and to have received such an incredibly, incredibly warm welcome. I'll be honest, I spent an unusual amount of time uh, before I came here trying to figure out what the right outfit to wear was. That was like the main, the main thing for me. Do I want to go? Usually you're invited to yeshiva, you, you, you put on a, a tie, I have like a, a hat. This has got a little bit of dust on it, but I could, I could take it out. Then I said I could go to the other mahalach, I could, I could flex a little bit, bring my, my low-top Jordans, let them know, let them know. But I decided I'm not going to go in either, in either direction. I went uh, simple, but the feeling of, of what to wear to fit in uh, I was immediately reminded of a story when I came here. I'm so happy that my dear friend, uh, Rab David, was your Rab David Spivak. Uh, he he doesn't remember, but when I was 27 years old, I stayed in his house. Uh, this is uh, 11 years ago. I'm 38 now. I stayed in his house for uh, for Shavuos. It was just Shavuos. I was like the fake Scotland residence. Like when a community wants a Scotland residence but doesn't want to pay for one. So they found uh, an Alterbacher, is 27. They flew me out and they just put me to work. And I was so excited that like somebody wanted to hear from me, that somebody wanted to listen to me. Uh, when I finally showed up there, like I, I felt really good even though in every other area of my life I, I was a wreck. I was a mess. I was, I, I've been dating for six years, nothing was happening. I had gone through five different professional trajectories. I'm gonna be a rabbi of a, of a shul, I'm gonna take the LSATs, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to a fancy program in Harvard. I didn't even know what program, I just wanted to say Harvard. When people ask me, what am I doing? I said, I'm looking at programs in Harvard. I, literally, I, I didn't have a program. I would just tell people that to feel like I was chashev. And I landed in Portland at 27, I was single, and I really wanted to feel a sense of esteem. And I realized I had a very real dilemma. And this happened in, in Portland, I had a very real dilemma. When you're 27 years old and you're going to go speak in the shul, it's out of town, you're going to be asked to speak, this is low key, this you get to speak with the people. Right, you're you're with the people, but in the out of town shuls, you sometimes you, you're asked to speak like on like you, you sit up front with the rabbi, and I realized that I'm going to be mortified, I'm going to be embarrassed because I didn't have a talis. The custom in the community where I was born is you only get a talis once you get married, and I, I didn't have a talis, and I was really really embarrassed by the fact that I was being put up there and going to be shown to the community, and I'm going to like announce to everybody that like. I'm still a kid. I'm just a kid. I'm not, I'm not to be taken seriously. I'm mean, called up to the Umud as, you know, that, that like, Habachar Hachashav, which like, I was ready to discard that. I wanted, I wanted next. So Erev Yontif, I, I, I snuck out. Erev Yontif, I had landed, and in Portland, so every like real out-of-town community, when they, they also have a Chabad, and in the Chabad, there was a Judaica shop. So Judaica shop, right in the parking lot, do you know what I'm talking about? It's actually... Well, it closed, but it was right next to the shul, right? You would go through, it was right... And they had a Judaica shop. It's not busy, the, the Chabad Judaica shop in Portland, Oregon. It's not, it's not a busy place. It's not like hustling and bustling. I didn't have to wait on a long line. And I go into the Judaica shop, and I'm embarrassed to even in front of the... Because the, the, 
the guy who runs the register is also the Chabad rabbi. He's, he's moonlighting. So he's running the register, and I'm embarrassed to come in there and, like, just walk in and say, hey, I, I need a, I need a talus. So, so what I did was, and anybody, I'm sure nobody here knows from this, but, like, when you go into a store and you buy something you're not supposed to buy, you always first buy items that you are supposed to buy. So I was going in there, I first bought, like, a sitter. I bought, like, oh, do you have a... Maybe a mezuzah cover, like a little plastic mezuzah cover. Yeah, we have those. And then, like, under my breath, like, I'm buying a six-pack. I'm like, <clears throat> and a talus. And just, like, smooth it in there. And then, like, wedged it in between everything else. So the guy hands me all my stuff, my sitter, my mezuzah cover, my talus. And I literally, I walked out of there like I was buying contraband. Like, I put it underneath underneath my coat. And I, and I walked out of there. And finally, like, I could feel like a, like a mensch. Like, everything that I'm trying to project everything that I'm trying to become. And I show up to shul the next morning. It was a three-day yontif. I'm showing up to shul. It's Shabbos morning and ah, azagashvah. Because you don't, people always ask me, why don't you just use one of the talisim that the shul have? No, no, no. Out of town, modern Orthodox shul, they put the name of the shul blaze like it's a basketball jersey on the back of, on the back of it. I don't need my Talis saying, I don't know, Young Israel of Portland in the back, like that's my last name. So I needed a fresh, I needed something fresh. And I mamish, I walked into shul and I finally felt like I had arrived. Like I'm finally who I was supposed to be. And I put on the Talis like, like, like a six-year-old would put on his Tati's Talis. Number one, I smacked the five people behind me, Bedafka, just to let them know. Let them know that I'm here. I'm here. And the whole davening, I'm walking around. You ever see a like a festival a bus walks around? They're just fixing their towels. They look like a, they feel like a superhero. They're like they're fixing and always just doing the whole thing. And I had the whole gate. I had all the motions. I was waiting my whole life for this. And I want you to know something. It was it was legitimately a profound moment that I'm sitting in the shul. It's Shabbos morning. And I don't remember if it was during the first paragraph or the second paragraph of Kriyashma, but at a certain point I realized that the talus that I had bought, the tzitzit strings were sold separately. So, 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 so here I am being over in Isr de Araisa, am Veeda, for everybody to kind of see. And I'm sitting there, I'm like cheshbening toysis and yavamas in my head, gemara and brachas davchas, just like, do I throw it off? Can I wear it passively? Like, I'm really cheshbening these things. But to me, this, this is the formative story of who I am. And honestly, in many ways, what I'm still grappling with, I'm still continuing to be. Because Baruch Hashem, I'm married, I have a family. I promise you, there are still conceptual talesim that I am trying to wear, that I am putting on to project the fact that I have arrived. To, to have the answer to the question, so what do you do? What are you up to? Whenever you go into a community and they want to know, you know so, so what do you do? And I would always be embarrassed of the fact, initially, that like, I don't know, what am I? Am I a Rebbe? Am I an educator? Uh, I tweet, I tweet. Is that what I should tell them? I'm on Twitter. I, I never felt like I had an answer that really gave me a, a sense of self and a sense of dignity. And I, I want to share a, a, a Torah idea, if you'll allow me. If you'll, is that okay? I, I want to share a Torah idea that 
in all of my journeys of figuring out of how to arrive, how to feel like you're there, like I, I became, because I... I'm, very, I'm a very sensitive person, and a lot of times when you go to shul and there's a big kiddish, pe- people know me because I'm on the public sphere, but, but inside, and I mean this seriously, and I, I, don't, I don't normally talk so openly, but I feel like this is really a place of honesty. Like I'm still contending with the inadequacy of not owning a talus. you understand what I'm saying? The wounds are still very much there. There is something very fascinating in this upcoming Parsha that has always stuck with me, not just because I love the Parsha and I love Torah, it also sticks with me a little bit because I'm a, I'm a cinephile. A cinephile is not somebody who loves sinning, though I'll be honest, I wrote a book on sin and I do love a little bit the concept of failure. And sin. A cinephile is somebody who loves movies. And I grew up loving it. It was the forbidden fruit. It backfired on my parents, my father. The number one threat is I'm going to throw out the television. And he really would. He would really... He threw a television right down the, right down the staircase. So it, it created this forbidden fruit that Adayomazet, it's what, it's what draws me in, and also sports. What, what you'll notice is very strange in this week's Parsha. One of the strangest things in the world is that we have the Parsha and Parsha's Baloscha of the upside down nuns. That when we say, right, the two psukim we have over there, we have, it's bracketed by upside down nuns. I had the zuchos recently of going to Sotheby's and looking, they just sold a old manuscript of the Torah for like $30 million. And I, they allowed me, because I know the, the curator at Sotheby's, they let me come in, and the one thing I said I want to see, show me the upside down nuns. It's a, it's a t- manuscript of the Torah, it's a thousand years old, it's from the 900s, and all, I, just show me the upside down nuns. Now, th- there's a big question, what, what shot in these upside down nuns? What, why are they bracketed off? So the Gemara says something very strange. The Gemara says that the upside down nuns is its own safer. It's like its own safer Torah. That really we don't have five books of Moses. We have seven, we have seven books in the Torah. We have Bereshish, Shmos, Vayikra, the first half of Bamidbar, the Vayihibah, Binsawa, Aram, Psukim, the, la- the latter half of Bamidbar, and then Devarim. We have seven books. That's what the Gemara in Shabbos says. The Baal Haturim on the spot, on those Psukim, has a very interesting illusion. The Balaturim says, you know, this is its own safer, like Barathees, like Shemos. Just these two psukim are its own safer. How do I know this? I'll tell you how I know this. Because if you count up the words of the first pasuk of Ayhib and Soha Aron, it's the same amount of words as the last pasuk of the Torah, of Le'ene Kol Yisrael. And if you count up the amount of words in the second pasuk of Kumi Yisrael, then what? It's the same amount of words as the first Pasuk in the Torah of Bereshah's Bara Elohim. Beautiful. It's an illusion. You have this Parsha B'Feyasu of Ahib and Soha Aron. The first Pasuk has the same amount of words as the last Pasuk in the Torah. And the second Pasuk has the same amount of words as the first Pasuk in the Torah. A beautiful illusion. Reb Tzadik asked like an ABC question. That like, there's always a guy in the room when you say the gematria who like takes out his calculator and is like doing the numbers and is like doing the actual numbers and like ruins the Vard and the Rebbe. He's like, okay, in that kolel and add one for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then like the Malachim. And, like, Stop asking. So, 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 so Reb Tzadik was kind of that role. Reb Tzadik HaKoyme Lublin who's a Hasidic thinker who played a big role in my life and my thinking, because Reb Tzadik's life 
Tzadok didn't have an easy life. Reb Tzadok, Reb Tzadok's first marriage fell apart. You don't always hear of Hasidic Rebbe's who the marriage doesn't work out. He, he, the marriage fell apart, his first marriage. He got married a second time, and the very end of his life, he even got married a third time. And Reb Tzadok never had children. And, and it weighed on him his entire life. He's the only person, to my knowledge, who wrote an entire Sefer about the theology of infertility, about the pain of not being able to have children. And Reb Tzadik asked like, a very basic question. He said, like, great illusion, like, I love it, I love that you counted the words, but, but isn't it, like, a little backwards? Shouldn't Vayihibin Soha Aron have the same amount of words as the first Pasuk in the Torah? And Kumi Yisrael Shouldn't that have the same amount of words as the last Pesach in the Torah? Like, it's a great illusion that this is its own Sefer Torah, but, but isn't it upside down? Why is the first Pesach correspond to the last Pesach in the Torah, and the second Pesach correspond to the first Pesach in the Torah? And Reb Tzadok and Reb Yitzhak Isaac Chavar say something amazing, and they talk about the notion that it's a fancy term, but it's a term that all of you are familiar with, called alternative history. Do you know what alternative history is? Alternative history, I'll give you a very basic example. Alternative history is the question that we ask, what if history unfolded differently? What if it didn't work out this way? The place where most people are familiar with this question, that I'm sure uh, 99, maybe 90% of the room is familiar, is the alternative history that people ask regarding sports. What would have happened if a different team drafted this member? Who, who here knows? Am I allowed to ask the team? Who, who here knows what the most famous what-if alternative history question is in sports? Does anybody know that? There's a very famous one specifically about the draft. Kobe is up there, but who said it? Jor- the Portland Chevra. No. Jordan, why? Because what, what, what was Jordan's draft position? No, Jordan was not drafted first. Michael Jordan was the third draft pick. In, in the 1984-85 draft, the first draft pick was Hakeem Olajuwon. The second draft pick, who, who's the Chacham? Very good. Shadows. The second draft pick, for real. The second draft pick, to bring it back to David Spivak, the second draft pick was Portland. And Portland already had Clyde Drexler, so they passed on Jordan, and they instead drafted Sam Bowie. Who's heard of Sam Bowie? Not me. Nothing came of him. He broke his yeah. He broke his leg in the first game. It wasn't Safrid, and he wasn't all there. He's the guy who like looks like he's gonna be great at basketball. Then the moment you give them the ball, you give a stickle hard foul. They're on the side the rest of the game, and they're rubbing their neck. Whatever. It didn't work out for him. <laughs> People always ask, what would have happened, imagine a team, the Trailblazers, if Jordan would have been on that team? A lot of times people ask this when it comes to, to iconic television shows or movies. They have somebody cast. You, you could actually watch now. You could see people who, who else tried out for an iconic role. I, I, I don't want to make direct reference to movies or television inside of a, inside of a base medrash. I'm not that comfortable. I haven't been here long enough yet. But like you could see, I take back the NF reference. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but but you could. You you can see the people who you could see the people who tried out. Now, the real place where alternative history comes out a lot is is in actual history. 
People always ask the question, what would have happened if somebody went back and assassinated baby Hitler? What would have happened if, if, the, if the South won the Civil War? When you ask a question in alternative history, what you're really doing is you're trying to figure out causation. What caused what? If I say that I took a time machine and I killed baby Hitler, that it would have averted the Holocaust, I'm making a causation statement, a value judgment, on what caused that period of history. That it was a man, it was a megalomaniac, a Russia who came up, and that was the one. If I would have taken out that one person, it would have been different. If I'd say that the United States would look totally different if the Civil War worked out differently, I am saying a value statement of the cause and effect. Now... For all of us, and this is really why the Torah is so moving to me, for all of us, I believe in our lives, we stand, and this is the song, remind me your name, uh, the Shadows? Yeah, Shlomo. Shlomo. The, the, in all of our lives, we have alternative history questions. There is an alternative history that you all know and that you are all aware of, of what would have happened if your life unfolded differently. And, and this very much, FYI, does relate to, to, a, to, to the multiverse. I mean that seriously. Uh, did you say that? Yeah. For real. The, the, the philosophy of what that would mean. But anybody who grew up and they're deciding between two schools, they're deciding between two professions, they're deciding to date and they want to know, should I get engaged? Should I get engaged? Should I break it off? Should I move forward? They're, they're wondering, what would have happened if my parents' marriage didn't fall apart? What would have happened if the tsara that we went through that turned our family upside down, like those upside down nuns, and what would have happened if we avoided that and that would have gone differently? I think there's not a person in the world who isn't faced with a decision and a disruption in their narrative trajectory who doesn't have some alternative timeline where they're grappling what if things unfolded differently. And this is where the Torah, I think, does something amazing. Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver, Rav Salavechik, Rav Tzadok, they all say the same thing. They say that the parsha of Vayihib and Soha Aaron, Vayomer Moshe, Kumi Yisrael, what we say when we open up the Aaron every single time, that is the alternative history of what would have happened had Klal Yisrael immediately after Harsinai. Parshas Bahaloscha is the bookend to Parshas Yisro. We come to Harsinai in Yisro and we finally leave in Bahaloscha. What would have happened that instead of when we left, we didn't leave like, like school children excited to get out, but we, we really left with the seriousness, with the intensity, with the responsibility, says all of the tzaddikim, they said, we would have gone straight into Eretz Yisrael. Vayihib and Soha Aron is the alternative history of Klal Yisrael. And what I believe we learn from these two psukim that are part of the Torah, that are a safer Torah if they atzma, is really twofold. Number one, and this relates to the song, the, the shadow song. Let's, let's remind one more time. What you sh- Shlomo. I think a lot of times our alternative history uh, haunts us. That we're like afraid of it. We're afraid to think, what if things turned out differently? Because more than the question of causation, alternative history is a judgment on the present. When somebody says, you know, oh, by the way, you sometimes hear somebody, they nudge you. We actually dated. We actually dated. 
So somebody could say that and you hear in their voice, and Baruch Hashem, I'm married to the person I'm married with, the family that I have. And sometimes you can hear, you have to listen very carefully. Sometimes even squint. You hear a little bit like, ah, what, what, what could have been? And it's still haunting them. You see this all the time in people's professional lives. They're afraid. They say, you know, I, I almost became a doctor. I almost sat and became a, a Rebbe. I almost sat and I almost went to law school. And in the present, that alternative history for some people, it's a shadow. It's chasing them. They're afraid of it. To this day, they're 55, they're 65. They're, they lived all of life and their alternative history is something they're afraid of. When somebody brings it up, you see, you see their face like flush a little bit. They get nervous. They get stressed out because they don't feel fully content with where they are with their sense of self, with where they ended up. And this brings us back to the Kasha of Reb Tzadok. And if I haven't lost you by now, just listen closely to, to, to the illusion that Reb Tzadok says in why this parsha is so significant. Reb Tzadok wanted to know why in the alternative history that we canonize inside of the Chumash, when life feels upside down, when it could have worked out a million different ways, we still canonize the alternative history, but the illusion is backwards. Vayihib in Soah Ha'aron is Keneged Le'enei Kol Yisrael, the last Pesach in the Torah. And the second Pesach of, of Kum Yisrael V'yafutsu Ha'ivecha is Keneged the Bereshiz Bar Elokim, the first Pesach in the Torah. Why is it backwards? Because what alternative history in our own lives is really trying to do is remind us that wherever you landed, whatever that last Pesach is in your story, where you're up to right now, it can still be infused with the idealism, with the passion, with the excitement, with the purity of that Bereshiz Baralakim of that first Pasuk in the Torah. It's when life is upside down, when the nuns are hafuch, when you feel like, I, I, sh- I should have gone into that profession. I could have set up my life. I could have moved to a different community. Could have gone to a different yeshiva. Could have married, set up, and have an alternative life to some multiverse where it's not Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls. He's playing for the Trailblazers with Clark, Clyde Drexler, where I could have been so much more. And I still, you can still hear on your parents' voice. Like for me, what could this be? My parents, their number one ruts in their entire life, their entire life was that I should be a Balkaire. I was a smart boy. I knew how to lane in first grade. And they did it like all parents. And they saw I was like half decent at one thing. And all the pressure of all their kaychus and parenting. But like good pressure, but like still pressure. They're, they're paying me off for things. Anytime I want them, like, mom, like, I'm hungry. Can I have dinner? Like, if you learn how to lane the next plus, like, like I'm like, mom, I, I, I don't need any bribery. I, I just want to eat. I'm hungry. Like, it, 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 it hovered for many years. Like, I felt like... The son who almost but didn't become a Balkari. That was my alternative history. And I think a lot of times this haunts us. It haunts us. We're afraid to be in the room with people who are living that life. My father's an oncologist. I knew I was never going to go to medical school. I knew it. But I want you to know there was a period in my life when I was so insecure and inadequate of where I ended up. My best, best friend growing up, he did become an oncologist. I couldn't be in the same room with him when my father was there. It was too embarrassing for me. Like, like he's living the dream and I'm whatever. I'm, I stayed a couple extra years. I know how to learn a, a drop better than, than, than four other people. If I hand select who the people are, I can tell you four people I can learn better than. But I have to hand select them. It can't be at random. So th- that's all I felt I had. I didn't feel like, I felt like there was this alternative history that was haunting me. And I think what the upside down nuns 
And Vayihi bin Soha Aaron is telling us that we have to take the end, the last Pesach in the Torah, whatever you're up to, and connect it back to that Barathees. That whatever other side multiverse senses of self that you have in your life, realize that whatever Pesach you're up to, whatever Pesach you landed on, can be infused with the same dignity, with the same integrity, with the same Kedusha, loftiness, and Lechatchila. Lechatchila was supposed to be like this. You don't have to walk around and, and be reminded of every other path that you said no to. That's somebody who gets paralyzed. But the very act of deciding, as my favorite psychologist always says, decide is from the same root, root word as homicide. You have to be willing to say, I'm at peace with these other paths. I'm at peace. And the Pusik that I landed on, the Pusik in my life where I'm up to, is exactly has the, the integrity, the dignity, and the Kedusha of the Barathees Bara of my entire life. Thank you so much for having me. The guys are honest and real. If, the, if somebody says a vert and didn't, it wasn't their life story, the cheer would look like. <laughs> <laughs> They're on. You see. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I want to. I want to share. I want to share a dvar term my kids taught me this Shabbos. I'd like to share with the chevra. To that should sit. We should just sit. I don't know if we go to the football right now. We should just sit on this Rav Tzadik. We could all sit here for a while. Nobody moved. Not much. Not moved after that. Incredible Rav Tzadik as Rabbi Bashevkin lives and taught it to us. My kids told me a vert this Shabbos. I asked my kids, Pshat and the Gemar Brachas, God is asked by the angels, the angels ask God that you keep the Torah yourself, Hashem, and in Dvarim you taught us that a judge is not allowed to favor one person over another. The basic to judgment is you're not allowed to show favoritism. You can't show, that's the basic to judgment. And yet in Birchas Kaihanim, Birchas Kanim is important here. We had a whole story. Shavuos. Let's sing Birchas Kanim for a minute. It's the last expression. <laughs>
We will let questions in a minute for Ibashevkin, but I wanna I wanna say to the Hevra that in Birchas Kehanim, so the Kayan wishes us Yar Hashem Panavelacha He wishes us Chain. Chain means that Hashem should favor us, charm, charisma, and it means Be'ene Hashem. He's not talking about one yid to another because he's wishing it to all yidden. So can't mean favor you over him. So he's saying favoritism to the Yid over the guy. And the angels ask Hashem that how do you show favoritism to a Yid over a guy? I have a family from Texas. I was learning with their son this Shabbos. We were learning and the kid was very beside himself. How can Hashem, he said, a parent can't favor one kid over their next. How can Hashem favor a Yid? He was mechaven to the angels. And he asked, how can Hashem show favoritism to Yidin over Goyim? To which Hashem responds that, what do you want from me? I ask my kids, Klal Yisrael, to bench v'achalta v'savata v'erachta. I ask, eat. My mother never let us say when we were kids we were full. She said, cows get full, human beings get satisfied. I have to admit, as a kid, I felt full. But we were supposed to say we were satisfied. Severe satisfaction. So really, you only bench when you're satiated. And yet, to bench on less... Since you didn't bench on a kezayis or a kebeya, since we bench on less, you can't blame me for showing favoritism to a yid. So if you want to know Avi Ben Moshe, Avi, what's a yid? We bench on less. So I asked my kid, what is that that causes Hashem to favor us? So my kid said to me, and it was like so obvious to them, it's 48 hours later. I still am thinking a lot about it. This was obvious to my kids. I did not think this angle. I had my own ideas, but my kids taught me, and they said that what causes chen? We can pick. We can pick people here who have chen. They're just liked. Everybody likes. My kids said what causes chen? What causes chen? Everybody likes this person, and this brings out Hashem's chain of us. And Hashem says, I can't help it. Kilui says to the angels that there's something that brings out, and I love Yidin, because they bring out this charm. Now, they, we thank Hashem. The Svasema says we're called Yehudim. We're thankers. Gratitude, but there's something deeper. There's the Shirish of gratitude, and this was, Hashem says to the angels, I just can't help it. And by the way, anybody could do this. The Yid, and this, this is the essence of a Yid. This is what makes us liked by Hashem. Anybody can join us. But I can't help it. They thank for less. And my kids say that people who accept themselves. Somebody accepts themselves as we are, a tremendous acceptance. In this yeshiva, the word potential, a Rebbe gets fired if he tells the parents, it's the worst, say the S cursed word, you're good to go, F, F, whatever you want. Don't say potential. That's a Rebbe gets fired, that's a dirty word, because it's saying what he'll be, not what he is. And the self-acceptance, who we are in the here and now, the self-acceptance, the beauty that we are right here and now. My kids said that's what brings chen. And Klal Yisrael, thanks for less. You could think somebody has a small meal could say what I should have had, what I could have. This? You call this a meal? 
And what defines a Yid is he has a Kezayis or a Kebeya and he says, Hashem, thank you very much. I appreciate this. And my kids said that, they, to them it was obvious. They said, everybody knows that's what brings chen. The one everybody likes celebrates who they are. If you appreciate yourself, who you are, people are charmed by that. People that draw as chen. And Klal Yisrael thanks for Kezayis or Kebeya is the Shairish Dobi. That they appreciate and celebrate what they have, the station right now. And they bench for that, the mevarech for that. That's their, they don't wait till Savata. So Hashem says, I can't help it. That is Mo'erer, that arouses from Hashem, Mechain. That's what a yid is, Chaim Tzvi. That's what a yid is. That's the secret. You know, the, the, the essay from Mark 20, like, what's the secret of the eternity of the Jew? Says a Gemara. He, somebody has to teach him Gemara Brachas. Why do I favor these people? Because we're mevarich, we bench on a kezayis or a kebeya. That's what it means to be a yid. The essence of a yid is the appreciation of his station now, of what he has now, of what he is now. He's mevarich on a kezayis or kebeya. I thought that was a fascinating thought. I wonder. But this, this idea that Rabbi Shevkin taught us, this incredible Reb Tzaddik, is what I don't want to... I want to leave with that, that idea of this amazing, incredible idea of Reb Tzaddik. Rabbi Shevkin Shev is tremendously appreciated. I don't... Is there time that guys can ask? Yeah, I'll be around. I'll be around. Can they ask now for a few yeah. minutes? Are we in a rush? No, no. So we'll give a couple of minutes. We don't, we don't, have, we don't want to hold Rabbi Shevkin. There is a siyam, Rabbi Say at 6.30. The Chevra's invited. Hudi, Kalish, we're making a siyam. I also, I did, I did want to mention, I have to mention to get this in, that Shmuel Salzberg's team did win their playoff game tonight. What score did we win? What score did we win? 4-3. Wow. 3 2 to Machlaikas. Excellent. Any home run, Shmuel? Wow. Wow. Okay, Rabbi Sai, just for a few minutes, let's allow, but if you ask a question, introduce your name. You said a song before the questions? We can think of a question. Give time for questions. So, Mayor, please come up with Shlomo. Where's Shlomo Guri? Shlomo, could you do with Mayor the new, um, your new song with that deal? This is what Bezzi says, guys, but then yeah, right here for the question.
Think about it, cause all this pain inside my brain, I gotta face it probably. The feelings I can change, cause I got demons sucking around me. I got a lot of problems, I don't even think about it. Like God is the one above, and we looking up. Like, can we get some love? Like, 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 can we get some love? Like, can we get some love? I know I'm thankful, but I can't think about it. Cause all this pain inside my brain, I gotta face it probably. The feelings I can change, cause I got demons lurking around me. I got a lot of problems, I don't even think about it. Like God is the one above, and we looking up. Like, can we get some love? Like, like. 
Like, can we get some love? Like, can we get some love? I said accomplishments, yeah, I need me a lot of them. Grinding to be on top of them. Vibing each other, I'm stopping it. So I'm like God, the one that shine above. The one I just look up to. And I need me some love. And I'm looking above. And he looking for chosen. I don't want to fight no more. I said that it's enough. I don't want to fight no more. I said that it's enough. I don't want to fight no more. I just want me some love. Like God is the one above, and we looking up. Like, can we get some love? Like, 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 can we get some love? Like, can we get some love? Like, like God is the one above, and we looking up. Like, can we get some love? Like, like. Like, can we get some love? Like, can we get some love? I do want some love. I sure my mind, I see you, but I really need a hug. And lady, I've been feeling really stuck. I know you are controlling everything you are above. And I know you are controlling everything you are above. I have some love. I sure my mind, I see you, but I really need a hug. And lady, I've been feeling really stuck. I know you are controlling everything you are above. And I know you are controlling everything. Like, God is the one above. And we looking up. Like, can we get some love? Like, The two nuns. The two nuns bracket all two in the Torah. Goes back a thousand years. The Gemara says that those two nuns formed their own sefer, like sefer Gracious, Shemos. The Gemara and Shabbos says it's its own sefer. What's unique about these two psukim? Again, if you yet to read through Baloscha carefully, and there you can be me. I'm not going to go through all that now. The basic. Bottom line is that it forms its own safer because this is the safer of alternative history. It is a safer imagining instead of what happens after Baloscha, Shlach, the complainers, Miraglim, everything falls apart after. This is imagining a world where where Klal Yisrael's history unfolded sequentially. That's the bit. And they're bracketed off. They form their own safer Torah, but it's it's upside down. The just yeah. this, just these two psukim in Baloscha, exactly. Vayihibid soha Aaron vayomer Moshe, and then the second pasuk, Kumi Yisrael v'yafutzuay. I'm going to show you the two psukim. Yeah, and and, and Sifrei Torah going back all the way. I looked at the Sifrei Torah. It sold for thirty million dollars three weeks ago. But Sotheby's, they had the upside down nuns in that too. It goes all the way back. Uh, but this was the alternative history. Imagining when we left Har Sinai. Jewish history didn't fall apart, but actually stayed tethered together. Kilo, yeah. Um, what, what did you pass in between and I was waiting for somebody to ask. <laughs> I, I feel I'm scared to talk in uh, in Lambdas. There, there, there are two Gemaras that deal with this. There's one Gemara, the Gemara in Brachas and Dafya Testament Bays says that Kavod Abrios is doche a losase in the Torah. Now it's not any losase. Kavod Abrios is doche nisidur abanon, and this was Kavod Abrios. I'd be embarrassed. Or nisidur raisa b'shev altase. Now the question is: Is wearing a tala shev altase? That could come down to two days in Tosos in Yevamos, and 
and Rebbe Hanun has a very long uh, essay about what passivity is called. I I left it on because I knew the lumbus. I didn't remember how it came out, but I felt like that should protect me. I call this Baruch Hu. At least I know the lumbus, but I was too. I left it on. I left it. On. I was too embarrassed. And then the next day, I again for Yontif. Then I found the 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 young Israel of Portland Talis jersey that had it. Not you know, emblazoned on the back, but it was like in the corner. And I would walk around like a Hasidic Rebbe with the four corners, <laughs> the whole davening. But it's rubbish, so it worked. I would just walk around and holding the corner in my hand so no one would notice that I borrowed. This. Also, like the tzitzit the, the strings for the borrowed ones are always the shvach ones. They're like, they're not the thick ones. The so I can't. So that was my, my fix there to walk around very rebbish and, you know, like have it, have it in, in my hand the whole davening. Yeah. Hey, Johnny Aaron from Woodmere. I have a question. Ah. Slash, I'm from Lawrence. Just like a question, slash, like a statement. I've listened to a lot of your, your podcast, your episodes, and even just hearing you speak now, quoting from different places, I would say, not diverse, but different camps of Yiddish guys. Sure. So obviously, and Rebbe said a bar recently with the two writing down, obviously the camp. How important is it for you and for the audience that you're reaching to combine all of the camps of Yiddish guy and to not be... For example, people say, I am this. I belong to this Hasidus or this style of Yiddishkeit. It seems like your, your audience that you reach is very diverse and broad from everywhere across the spectrum, and you sort of bridge that together. Do you ever feel that because I belong to a lot of everything, I don't necessarily belong to one thing, and that's difficult in your Yiddishkeit? And how would you respond to someone who says, you need to be a part of just this? What an awesome question. What an awesome question. Um... It's not just because of the podcast. I live, I probably as we're speaking, I, I have tw- Twitter notifications. I have, uh, you know, people DMing and WhatsApp, all that stuff. And when you're in the public sphere, Rishon, and, and I'm, I, I struggle with this tremendously. I, I drove up with Akiva. I, as I got into the car, I literally, as I was waiting for him, that's usually when I tweet is when I'm waiting or on Zoom meetings. Zoom meetings, I could tweet up a storm. When you ever see me uh, tweeting a lot in one day, it's because I was during a Zoom, a Zoom situation. But right, right when he picked me up, I found like a, a, a cute picture and I had a good <laughs> caption and I tweeted and I knew Bibreros it was going to go viral. I knew for sure and it did. It did. It probably has gotten, my guess is 40,000 views by where, where we are now. Shh, don't worry, save your applause to the end. Save your applause to the end. And I want you to know the whole car ride, I was thinking if I wasn't in the car with somebody, I would have just been by my phone like this, refreshing and, and responding, and I was thankful for I didn't. <coughs> my Yiddishkeit is not anchored in my audience. My Yiddishkeit is not my job title. It is not my Twitter handle. It is not 1840. It is not any books that I have written. My Yiddishkeit is in my home with my, with my wife and with my children and with quiet moments of sincere avodas Hashem that don't wind up on Mika Amcha Yisrael posts. Not when like there's a picture and then like you see the camera over there and like you shuckle a shtickle extra hard at the airport because you know if it gets to the right channels, it's like, oh, yeshiva guy, davening mincha, JFK. I, I really try to to treasure um, moments of sincerity, 
And the thing that I lament the most is how much harder it has become to have moments of sincerity. They're not impossible for me on a personal level to have publicly real sincerity. Um, sometimes when I do intros and outros in my podcast, because I'm alone in my office talking to a mic, I can get very sincere. I, 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 I've, been, I've broken down. I've cried in the intro. And I actually told, I was reading a letter from somebody who spoke about how hard Shabbos was when they were single. I struggled with Shabbos when I was single, and I broke down crying for, for come out a half hour. My wife came in and was nervous that I wasn't going to be okay. I told the editor, they don't need to listen to me cry for a half hour, but uh, five minutes is enough, and then, and then you know, you'll edit out the 25 minutes. I, I, I don't think anybody, anybody needs to integrate different parts of Yiddishkeit. It's not a commandment. For me, the Yiddishkeit that I find most flavorful and, and on a personal level is Yiddishkeit that is drawing new connections and bringing them together. I don't like uh, Likut Yiddishkeit. I don't like Yiddishkeit of like, there's a kasha on the parsha, here's six answers from three from the Rishonim, three from the Akhra. I, I, I have no problem with it. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't get my engine going. What gets my engine going is taking either an old idea in new wrappings or a new idea in old in old garb. I think a lot, if I could quote Reb Tzadik one more time, Reb Tzadik, and I always love this, this always means a lot to me, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says, says Yiftach Bedoro Kishmuel Bedoro. Yiftach, who was one of the Shoftim, like a, like a good, good tier B Jewish leader, great, is like Shmuel in his generation. So most people read this Gemara that even like your number two Rebbe, he's as good as, you know, whatever you have in your generation, enjoy it, take it, you know, it's, it's okay. Yiftach Bedoro, Kishmuel Bedoro. Yiftach in his generation, we don't have Rav Moshe Feinstein, but whatever Godel we have is good enough. <coughs> Rav Tzaddik says Yiftach Bedoro, Kishmuel Bedoro. Yiftach is not a noun, it's a verb. Yiftach is not just a person, it's the verb. Yiftach bedoro, misha poseach shar chadash b'avodas Hashem. If you open up a new doorway in avodas Hashem for somebody, that is the Shmuel bedoro. I serve an unconventional place in the Jewish community. I'm not the biggest Talmud Chacham. I know, like, again, if you give me five people, I can handpick five people that I know more in learning than them. I never said a regular Gemara Shir. I'm not a posake, and I'm also not like, <coughs> I'm not an academic genius. I'm not, I'm really not. I, I, I had math anxiety in eighth grade. I was, most people who grew up in New York took the ninth grade regents in eighth grade. I had to drop out of the class because I had too much anxiety. I, I couldn't sleep before math tests. What I tried to do, and I, I, I have written about this, is I look around in every room you always notice, like in this room, there are always neon exit signs in every room. And I feel like Yiddishkeit, in a lot of ways, has become a series of neon exit signs. You walk into any room in, in Yiddishkeit, and there's all the exit signs. You're not, you're not chashev enough, you're not a big enough gavir, he's not, he's not on stage shulchanos, you're, he's not tyridic enough, he's not this enough. And we have all these neon exit signs in our life. And what I try to do is not connect pop culture to uh, to learning and think about what are the halachas of the Marvel universe and great sports analogies. Like I don't actually know that much about sports. I know a lot about the Marvel universe, but what I'm re- what I'm really trying to do more than anything else 
is being poseach, be a yiftach bedoro. Create a new entry point. Instead of neon exit signs, create neon entrance signs. Where people who, when they look around and they, there are things that they love and they've never, like, they've never been integrated. Things that they love about pop culture, music, this, that. And that always felt for them, they've been told, this takes you away. I want to show you that there's a little, there's a little door we could build, literally like an Alice in Wonderland, curiouser and curiouser. What gets her into that world of the Wonderland is this little talking door that she's not even sure if it leads anywhere. And she goes upside down, she finds this entire new universe. I think the notion of what I'm trying to do, whether it's in the podcast or on Twitter, I call it Narishkite not because I actually think what I'm doing is Narishkite. I actually take what I'm doing very seriously. Very seriously. Yesterday, the t-shirt and the tie. Yeah, I take it all seriously because it allows people to create a new Pesach in their Avod Hashem through their experiences, through what they're interacting with, what they're, what they're interested in. And that's all I'm trying to do, create neon entrance signs. We're gonna we're gonna stop here by I apologize. There's there's a Siyam, I apologize, Bessie, there's a Siyam. I just want to thank the Rebbe for the Abloh Rebbe recently. Oh. <laughs> it was very helpful. That means so much to me. Shkaya, shkaya. I, 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 for other shiurim on many topics, or to hear an eon shir on any daf and shas, including Mara Makaimas on each shir, please visit www.shasilluminated.org. To order CDs or for more information, please call 203-312-SHAS, that's 203-312-7427, or email info at shasilluminated.org.